0: From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your host, Steve Politti and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello everybody, Steve Politti from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, our recruiting special, which means while we have James Cratch as always with us, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Todrick Hunt. Our recruiting expert joining us for the first time in, uh, well, way too long, Tadrick. Glad to have you <laughs> it's in. Been, yep,
1: yep. It's been a while, man. Good to be with you guys. You know, certainly an exciting time of year where, you know, the team gets some new players and we get a whole new outlook on what they're doing moving forward. So exciting time. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, yes. And we're heading toward next week is uh, early signing day or as Drake Shadow now calls it, signing day because <laughs> most of the players will <laughs> sign. We're going to dive right. into that. Uh, you know, before we started on that, though, I really want to talk about the story you did a couple weeks ago on recruiting Black athletes in this time of social change, because I thought it was just a, b- both a great story, uh, it was really well reported, and a lot of just fascinating quotes about, you know, how how recruiting has changed because of what's going on in, in, in society in the world. Uh, I, if you haven't read it, folks, I want you to read it, please do, but but just the general synopsis, Todd, I'm just curious what... You know, in reporting this column, what surprised you? Was there anything that you didn't know that you discovered while you were doing this?
1: Well, I didn't necessarily know that that four out of five recruits, you know, that Rutgers were, were recruiting were, were African-American. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big number, um, you know. And obviously the impact that um, they've had on the program has been huge. Uh, it's certainly a, a polarizing topic. Um, you know, uh, my editor actually uh, brought the idea to me. And initially, it wasn't something I was um too excited about taking on obviously it's a it's, it's a heavy load you know uh it's a touchy topic not too many people necessarily want to go there. Um, But then I called him right back and said, you know, let's get on this and let's do it for those reasons. I mean, who else is going to write this story? And I thought it was important. You know, I I knew I'd take some slack, you know, but at the same time, I I knew a lot of people uh, would enjoy it. I thought it would be an uplifting piece. And it was important, right, to to actually, um, you know, discuss it. Uh, the big monster in the room in 2021. It's a different day, a different age, and how does this affect recruiting and, and the questions that, that these parents have uh, for their kids, sending their kids off to college. Can they wear their hair the way they like to wear, wear their hair? Will their coaches be there to support them? You know, Will they be ingratiated in, into the program and made to feel comfortable? Um, and uh, I think we got all those questions answered.
2: You know, Todd, one of the things that you mentioned, the four out of five African-American players that, you know, four out of five recruits are African-American. It's certainly not four out of five coaches in college football are African-American. So I guess when you talk to recruits, what was their kind of response about the fact that there's a disparity
1: still? Well, I think for the most part, um, the parents were, were better sources for this article in a lot of ways, simply because they're thinking of, you know the questions that maybe some of the recruits are not. Um, you know, simply because it's their children, they want them to be protected. Obviously, in this day and age, when they send them off to college, uh, so for for the recruits per se, they weren't necessarily as concerned as as I'd say the parents were, and um, just being forward thinking and just looking how you know society affected uh, affected different things. Uh, I thought Devin McCourty, uh, who I interviewed for the piece as well. Brought up a good piece about you know shiano pulling up some former guys that played on the team and giving them some coaching opportunities but at the same time he did also say that he'd also like to see more black coaches on the roster and moving forward um and that is not a Rutgers issue it's pretty much a football issue when you look at most of these staffs across the country you'll see predominantly white staffs and a lot of times you know the players on the team are predominantly black so um it's not a Rutgers issue necessarily. uh it's just more of a generational thing one one other thing that that Devin actually touched on that I didn't use for the piece is just a lot of times these guys are just in the same clubhouse same network, and when they get jobs, they call call on guys that they know you know and that but you have to be intentional about it if you really want to forge some change and give give some young brothers opportunities to get on these staffs and mold these young men who they can relate to. All right, again, fascinating story, guy.
0: If you haven't read it yet, you should dive in and, and, and dig it up, find it, read it. It's uh, it's it's a it was a great story on an important topic. All right, let's talk about this current class, Todrick. We uh, now we've all heard it's a good one. If you're looking at the rankings, we're 21st in the country, 5th in the Big Ten, according to 24/7. Uh, for someone who hasn't paid any attention, give me the the view from thirty thousand feet with this class. I mean, uh, what makes it so strong? What are the strengths? And maybe you know what is it lacking, or what does it still need?
1: Well, the quarterback, you know, obviously is is, is the big glaring thing. We don't we don't associate Gavin Wimsatt with this class simply because he's all, already at Rutgers and you know played in some games, but he is a member of the class and. He's probably the best one that Rutgers ever brought in. Now, do they develop him and get him to where he needs to be, where he can come out next year and, you know, affect some change? Uh, We'll see. But he certainly has the skill set, the tools. I know they're excited about him. Uh, I've heard he's a quick study. I hear he's, you know, uh, very personable. Uh, He's good with the guys. They've all embraced him. He's got a great attitude. um, And he's a great teammate. So that's how that quarterback room was able to to kind of survive because he didn't bust in the in the quarterback room like, hey, I'm the guy. He was very right. humble about the way he went about his business and learning and, um, you know, learning from uh, Vidral and, and, and other quarterbacks in the room. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do on the field. But I think the best actual football player in this class may be Moses Walker from Erasmus Hall uh, over there in Brooklyn. He's just, he's just a, a play on Sundays guy. You know, explosive, read, react, physical, man amongst boys on the field, uh, can make plays in every single facet of the game. Just an absolute monster. And uh, Thomas Amankwa, who was played at Rutgers this past weekend, I thought, and made that his own personal showcase, playing in a regional championship game at his future school in front of his future head coach. Uh, I mean, that was an awesome moment, and he used that stage to absolutely tear it up. You know, whether it be in the passing game, you know, running the football and defensively, I even like him at corner. I think he could be potentially a pro corner down the line um, and, and offensively. I get some Reggie Bush vibes and this is the kid that they didn't even offer until wow. his senior year.
0: Right? He's a this safety, a right? Player. He recruited as a
1: safety. I think he's one of those guys that you get on campus and you figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, love, I like him defensively, and he fits the mold of that type of guy that could go to the league. But I also I like what he brings offensively, mm-hmm. right? And Ruck, Rutgers right now is struggling to move the football. So you got a guy that you can utilize in the passing game, you know, a little bit in the run game. You just get him at the football and allow him to make some plays with his feet. So he's certainly an interesting piece that was brought on late, wasn't a big offer guy, but I think eventually could prove to be one of the better guys in the class.
2: Audrey. Seven offensive linemen in this class. This is going to be Rutgers' hopes. The the big group as well. We we'll, we've talked about it every week. It seems every day almost how the offensive line is the big issue that's kind of holding this program back. Big picture, I want to know what you think about the whole group, but specifically Jacob Allen, top recruit in New Jersey, Hun School kid. What can you what can he do next year? That's the big question I think a lot of fans have. They know it takes a while to develop offensive linemen, but the last few years we've seen true freshmen start games for Rutgers on the offensive line. Is Jacob Allen a guy who can step in immediately?
1: Well, we saw uh, back in the Anthony Davis days when they got him on campus, big-time recruit offensive lineman. the way Greg did it was he worked him in at offensive guard first so he could get his feet wet. Right. So when you play guard, you got help on both sides of you. Right. You're playing in a small space. So there is room for error. Right. If you're a big physical kid that can get off the football and create space, a lot of times a coach will take a guy like that, insert him there so he could get used to the physicality of the game. Right. Then eventually, if he's a tackle type, branch outside the tackle where he plays on a little bit more of an island. So I could see potentially Greg getting Jacob involved uh, in a role similar to that. Um, This new kid that they picked up, Dante Chen, he's also an offensive lineman from Slappers Bay, um, a a Jamaican young man that they just added on. He's actually the lowest ranked recruit in the class, but he's actually similar uh, to Jacob Allen. I mean, and and I just love the way this kid run blocks. He's a guy that you can put in a tight space and just tell him to move forward uh, and move some bodies around. So. Um, and, 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 and the theme of the class, too, is these are all big, massive af- athletes. I mean, the Amir Stenet kid, I mean, he could end up being a really good right tackle. At You know, he's, what, 6'5", 380 pounds. I mean, so obviously he's got some uh, conditioning and they'll do some retooling with him. But as a finished product, I mean, he could be a massive man. Nelson Menongro, uh from Union City probably has maybe even the highest upside of the group at 6'7", 285 right now, only a three-star recruit. Uh, just came to the country from the Dominican Republic a few years ago, so football is a new sport to him. So uh, he's really green, um, yet and still a power five recruit uh, with huge upside. Joe DiCroci, um had a lower body injury, played at Don Bosco Prep, transferred back to Northern Valley for his senior year. Uh, I really like this young man, and he's a hard worker, a really strong weight room kid. He's 6'6", 295 pounds. Uh, he's the guy that I think can really make a difference uh, ultimately as well. But if we're talking about high impact, you know, right out the box, you know, which of these guys can help this team? You're probably looking at Allen playing inside at guard um, and just creating some holes while he learns.
0: All right, so the, the other position we need, obviously, on, the, on this offense is just playmakers. Todrick, uh, you know, if I looked at this class right now, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of guys who, you know, you know, uh, who might be able to step in right away. Do you disagree? I'm obviously Samuel Brown, uh, four-star running back um, out of uh, Glenside, Pennsylvania. Marion Brown, the, the receiver from Florida. I mean, what, what are you looking from that position, and it, are, are there guys there that you think can make, can make an impact
1: I really like Samuel Brown. I mean, he is just a a complete running back and he looks like those guys that plays on Sunday. He's a humble young man and just a talented offensive player. Um, The thing is, in speaking to his mom for the black recruiting story at the time, she told me that he would not be signing in December. Uh, He was all in with Rutgers, but ultimately she wanted him to get his full high school experience. So I don't know how that um, affects his ability to potentially play early. You know, or whether or not she'll change her tune, he'll change his tune. Um, but ultimately, he's the type of player that I could see finding some kind of way to impact Rutgers, especially with Isaiah Pacheco leaving, uh, leaving and moving on to the NFL. Right, right? Uh, Marion Brown, another uh, four-star type receiver uh, out of Florida. Those guys always bring that Florida speed, and when you can run faster than everybody else, you always have a chance to get on the field. Obviously, um, Rashad Rochelle may be the absolute wild card of the bunch, probably the fastest guy in the entire class. Uh, Just an absolute jet. Played some uh, quarterback in high school, was more of a dual threat, but athletically he's just one of the the most talented players in the entire country. He'll move to wide out at Rutgers uh, and be a piece for Gavin Wimsatt to work with, two guys that know each other from the quarterback circuit, competing at camps, and came into Rutgers with a buddy system. I actually wrote wrote an article on that a few months back as well. Uh, So they got a couple guys that you can look to put the ball in their hands and hope that they can produce some things. Uh, Thomas Amonkwa at the top of my list, just the guy that's absolutely just dominated this past year, 29 touchdowns on the ground, over 2,000 all-purpose yards. So I'm sure they'll be looking to get the hometown kid involved
2: obviously we've talked about Wimsat a lot and obviously you've mentioned a couple times. I'm just curious, long-term, like big picture, what do you think about Rutgers quarterback recruiting? I've had this question from a lot of people because they didn't bring a scholarship quarterback in, in 2021, obviously Wimsat is 2022. I don't believe they've offered a single quarterback in 2023 yet I know it's going to be hard to get someone to come here with Wimset here. And I also think it's going to be kind of heightened the, the intrigue because obviously Marco Alainez at Hun is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the state in a while. So I guess, how do you think that's going to work, I guess for Rutgers and for other schools in the transfer portal era? Do you think we're going to get to a point where you only bring in your big ticket scholarship quarterback once every three classes as opposed to one a year?
1: That's a good question in the the transfer portal error, because these guys, you know, they just don't stick around. They don't stick around anymore. And you really have to sit and think, you know, of the value of having a number of these guys on staff, because only one guy uh, can obviously play at a time. You know, the quarterback position has always been a tough one for Rutgers, right, to get that one guy that can really change the game with his arm, you know, with his mind. Um, that can really run the offense, you know, not make a lot of mistakes and get, get things buzzing. They've never really had that. You know, Wimsatt is probably their first opportunity to have that uh, in New Brunswick. I remember when they recruit, were recruiting five, six guys in this class and they ultimately always wanted WIMSAT. So to get the one that you actually wanted Uh, And college football recruiting, especially at the quarterback position, is a huge thing. And they wanted him because he has a a huge arm. He's a tremendous athlete. He makes good reads. He's a quick study. And he's also a leader and a kid that other people like. So I think they hit the jackpot there. Now, do they develop him into what he could be? You know, it's up to them to do that. Um, They, you know, Rutgers have struggled developing guys in the past. And uh, but but they haven't had a lump of clay like this one. So, I mean, it's really uh, exciting to see. I think they've galvanized the class around this young man. And you see him on Twitter uh, retweeting guys, you know, really looking to have guys join him in his fight to make Rutgers a competitive program in the Big Ten. All right, so this is what everyone wants to know now. As, as we get
0: into next week, what possible uh, additions or signing day surprises are there? Will there be flips one way or the other? I mean, the, the three, three names I'm seeing a lot are Jaden Bellamy, uh, Jaden Gould, and uh, <laughs> the, kids, the kid from Union whose name I will not try to pronounce. I'm hoping that you, Davison, give it to me, Todrick,
1: how do you pronounce it? Right, D- Davison Igbenosun.
0: Right, Igbenosun. So, so...
1: Right, right. As far as Bellamy, I, you know, Bellamy right now is, is committed to Notre Dame. I don't see him uh, changing tune uh, simply because uh, the gentleman, Freeman, that was promoted to head coach was actually a guy that recruited him. He's comfortable with him, and he is centrally in their plans. Uh, so I see him staying put despite his father, uh, Jay, playing at Rutgers and, and then going on to play in the NFL for 14 years. Uh, Gould uh, as well um a lot of people are touting nebraska since he jumped back on the market from usc um it was a coaching obviously transition there and he wasn't prior prioritizing that transition uh didn't quite feel comfortable there anymore you know going all the way across the country uh so now he's certainly reevaluating his options the thing is the never <laughs> now i don't want to say never but towards the end of his recruitment before he even picked his school uh, Rutgers didn't recruit him quite as hard as they, they did initially. Um, and then even after he committed, um, they, didn't, they didn't recruit him. Whereas, you know, uh, where you have a situation like Davison and Igmanosun, when he decommitted, they continued to recruit him. So, you know, the recruiting room will show you who they want by their actions. Right. So I don't see Gould ending up here. I know Nebraska right now is, is a major player in his recruitment. He's got a ton of other options as well. Uh, but I don't see him ending up at Rutgers and Davidson as well. I spoke to him a couple of days ago. He's got his final official visit coming up this weekend to Ole Miss. Uh, he's taken four others, was committed to Rutgers uh, for a bit before opening up his recruitment. His brother uh, Desmond is a Rutgers Scarlet Knight. So it seemed like, you know, Rutgers had a big advantage there, but since he decommitted, you know, around that time and moving forward, it just seems like it's been Ole Miss. Even though he's seen some different places, I think the consensus is that's probably where he ends up ultimately uh, after taking this official visit, and he saved it for his last one, which sometimes means something. Right? right. Yeah, Rutgers needed someone to hire Lane, Lane Kiffin to get to get that kid. I guess. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what: the, the, the kid just got better and better every single year. Um, and in speaking to him, he was actually just named. Uh, uh, well, they don't call it the Army All Americans anymore, but they just call it the uh, an All American, but. He made one of the two major All-American games, um, and, uh, and, and it's well-deserved. I mean, every single year, he just got a little bit better, you know, improved. He talked about adding an inch and about 15 pounds of mass going into his final year, and he really just owned it and went out there and did some, some great things. You see a lot of offensive highlights. It'll be interesting to see how that translates to the defensive side of the ball, which is primarily what it'll be expected to do here at Rutgers, but that athleticism, uh, you certainly can't doubt that that young man can ball. All right. So uh, Todd, we're going to dive into true or false. Now I don't know if you, if you, if
0: you know, the rules here, we're going to go through some topics, hit a true or false. Uh, then we'll come back at the end and discuss them. You in? Okay. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Let's hit it. Here we go. True or false. Offensive lineman from this recruiting class will start next year. Todd, Rick, you go first. True or
1: False. Did you say two? One. One or did you say one in
0: this recruiting class. will start uh, next
1: year. i say true. Cratch? i say true. I will also we, say
2: true because we have yeah, Delta in 2020, Zelenskis in 2021, so keep it rolling.
1: It's got to be true or, or we're in trouble. True. Uh, you, you You got to be able to show, right, when you land top kids, but they have an opportunity to get on the field if they work hard, you know, and you can't have the top. I mean, just in my, my personal opinion, you don't want to have the top recruit from your state coming to your school and somehow somehow not be able to showcase them in a position where, where you should. Although essentially that transition is usually a lot quicker at the skill positions, as opposed to the offensive line, the quicker you are to the line of scrimmage, Right the harder right. it's supposed to be to make that transition to the next level. So right. you know certainly an uphill climb, but they got some athletic guys that I think can compete and some big physical guys, like I said, that they could just stick inside and create some space.
0: All right, true or false. One defensive player from this recruiting class will start next year. Dodger, what do you think? True or false?
1: Uh one defensive player will start some holes in linebacker. I will say, yeah. I mean, I think I, I I I think Moses Walker is just a man amongst boys, and he's a guy that they will find a way to get on the field somewhere. Uh, he's just a guy that, like I said, will play on Sundays, plays with his hair on fire. You know, great humble kid. But man, when you watch him on the football field, it's like watching a college guy out there with high school guys. There's nothing he can't do. Uh, so, I certainly believe in his ability, and obviously, you know, losing some uh, at the linebacker spot should open up some things for him. All right. We'll go through. Scratch, what do you think? I forgot this is true or false. <laughs> I'm not ready right. for this hey, game. <laughs> no, man.
0: You, you, you. <laughs> there, there, are, there are no rules with recruiting. We know that.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Just making sure.
2: Yeah. I will also say, true, um, a guy who I'm kind of curious about is Kenny Fletcher from Del Rand. We talked about it. Six sacks in nine Big Ten games this year. The pass rush has to be much better in 2022. And I just wonder if a, if a guy like him can flash off the edge. Maybe he gets used in a similar way to how they used Muhammad Toure in 2020, and he comes in on third down packages to pin his ears back. And eventually, I... works his way Wayne, would start.
1: I love that you hit on Kenny Fletcher at Cratch because he's a guy that I was actually probably going to miss on. I absolutely love his ability. I mean, you talk about a 6'4", what, 235-pound kid. Watch his highlights and the work that he does at receiver. I mean, he's so fluid. I mean, this kid can really, really run, and there's just so many different options on different spaces that they could utilize his ability. You see him in the passing game. Defensively, he can do everything. Turn speed to power. You see the physical hits. You know, he's always adding a little extra on to that. He's got a crazy motor. Uh, So certainly, Cratch, he's another guy that I could definitely see impacting Rutgers next year, whether it be on defense, offense at tight end, or special teams. All right, here's another one. True or false? This Rutgers
0: team took a serious hit in the transfer portal since the end of the year. Crouch, you take this one first. Is that true or false? False. False. Todrick, have you been following it? Have they lost enough players for you to be concerned?
1: No, I'd say false. I mean, you know, as far as the quarterback room, we all all knew what was going to happen with that anyway. That's what happens everywhere around the country now. You're not playing. You take off and try to find a spot somewhere else uh, to play. And I think – and maybe a couple guys may be a little, a little addition by subtraction, um, but it certainly hurts when you lose role players, but that's what you recruit for, right? So they'll be bringing in guys you know, from the transfer portal that they can plug and play, um, or at least ideally that's what they hope to do, um, and replace some of those guys and look upwards and onward.
0: All right, we'll- true or false? Greg Sh- Rutgers will extend Greg Schiano's contract in 2022. We've got some, cr- we've got some crazy numbers floating around there. Cratch, what do you think? Is Rutgers going to have to answer with a with an extended contract for the head coach? I will say false. Tadric, what do you think? Get Ooh. some Mel Tucker money here.
1: True or false? <laughs> oh man, oh. I'll tell you, man, it's just such a weird thing, right? When we talk about bowl games and five wins, six wins, because it's really not much of a difference, but man, on paper, it just changes everything. Right. So if we're talking six and six, I say, Oh, absolutely. But I think you still do. Right. Because I mean, what else do you really do here? Uh, I mean, Show, I think it takes a, a really specific person that understands the, the, the politics in New Jersey and just the way things kind of move to get this thing shaken. I mean, we saw it with Chris Ash, who came to Rutgers and obviously struggled. Uh, he struggled probably more than anything, just sort of culturally, you know, yep. because he wasn't, wasn't the great fit and obviously didn't have all of the relationships. Uh, you know, Shiano obviously checks all those boxes. Uh, I think you can argue he still has the program moving in the right direction. Uh, Would have been better obviously, to make a bowl game, and I think we could have been a little bit more confident in saying that. Um, but ultimately, uh, with things moving in the right direction, recruiting going well, you've got a quarterback of the future, tough to not be excited about the future of Rutgers football. I think so. I think it's possible.
0: I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna only, only going to say false because I think that uh, uh, it, it, something has to happen for it to happen, but um, I think it'll be a topic, absolutely.
2: So I think it's false.
0: Oh, go ahead. Gretchen.
2: It's just with Greg. It's like, even after next season, he'll still have five years left on his deal.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. And I just think like, look, right. I, I think the rule is always, you got to have five years, you know, you have to extend. I don't know if Greg Shiano, you know, not, not to, it's apples to kumquats comparison, but like Jim Harbaugh was going into a contract year at Michigan He didn't get an extension until the end, and then now he's in the playoff. I don't think Greg needs to have five years on his deal to go recruit effectively. I think Greg is one of those guys, it's pretty
1: obvious he's not going anywhere.
0: Right. Right. Very true. Very
1: true. All right. I mean, it's certainly a a good stance to have and and a good way to look at it. Um, and, and then ultimately, like you said, I mean, kids can still come in and get out of here before he would leave under the contract that he's on now. So, so maybe not. All right. True or false. Rutgers hoops is due for a breakthrough. It'll
0: happen tonight against number one, Purdue. Kratz seems like a long shot. Do you think they'll play well tonight?
2: I do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Purdue uh, is coming in here to. It's, I have a feeling it's, it's not going to be pretty.
0: First time Purdue has been a chance to win a game at number one. Uh, what do you think? What, have you, what do you think? You've watched enough basketball, Todrick? Did you, did you get yeah. any hopes for them
1: tonight? Yeah, I've watched some. I was really excited to see what, what the program, would look like this season after, you know, such an exciting year last year. Um, you know, you hate to sense a, a bit of a backslide, but there's just too many things. There's too many deficiencies on this team. I can't see them pulling it out tonight. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's just dive into that. Then this, uh, this is a this is a, a as Brian Fonseca wrote. It seems like the season uh make or break week for this for for this season right now for this team. Purdue tonight, then Seton Hall like twenty third or twenty second on Sunday. Uh, might be this team's last stand. I mean, I, I, it's hard to see how they win both, but it's also hard to see how they recover from going zero and two, and then they'll be four and six. Uh, I, I, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. We're all surprised where this team is. Cratch, I don't know, maybe, maybe we were wrong to be surprised. I mean, looking at it now, those, those those departures seem to be looming pretty big. I mean, when you watch this team against Illinois, uh, and they get just absolutely clobbered by a very good Illinois team out of the road, it didn't seem like they had a lot – They didn't give you a lot of hope there.
2: No, I mean, look, I think in hindsight, our, inst- our initial instinct was correct. Losing Jacob Young and Miles Johnson, big problem. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that – Steve Peichel had did his best to promote uh, his group. I think that Steve Peichel, obviously, Steve, in, in the future, uh, undersell, overdeliver. That's a pretty good motto to go on, I think. He oversold and is under delivering at this point. So, yeah, look, I think in hindsight, we probably should have seen this coming. We should have trusted our gut that losing an elite center and a great guy off the bench who was instant offense play great defense gonna be a problem right. the thing is even if they go 0-2 they're gonna play Central Connecticut and Maine they should win those games you know yeah. knock on wood they should and then you're 6-6 six and six going into the Big Ten schedule maybe you got a chance to fight your way to the NIT but they've got to get one of the next two I think that it's unlikely to happen against Purdue. You gotta. Th- th- this is. I think Seton Hall is the test. Like, if they want to have a season, they've got to rise up and find a way to beat Seton Hall.
0: The side. Big Ten's not as good as it as it as it was last year. Certainly, a lot of weak teams. Like Nebraska stinks. They play them twice. Penn State stinks. There's still a lot of opportunities to get
2: wins. No, Maybe. no, but like, but remember, this is also a Rutgers team that every – even in their best, their two tournament teams, yeah. They were always good to go out to Penn State or Nebraska or, and just lose inexplicably on a Wednesday night.
1: true. Uh, Tommy, did you, did I, I, you play? I, I, thought, I thought Jacob Young was just uh, is, is a, is a huge loss just from an energy standpoint when you look at this yeah. team. I mean, he would just bring that fire, you know, off the bench and that defensive intensity. And that's the type of things that other guys feed off, you know, on the hardwood. You know, guys bending their knees, you know, slapping the hardwood, getting down and dirty you know, getting on the floor for balls and just really bringing that attitude. And I feel like some of that is missing from this team. Uh, and that's not always so easy to replace, you know, and a guy that can – that brings that and can also play and get you a couple buckets in defense. So, uh, you know, Rutgers, hey – Sometimes you exceed expectations so much that they just grow to the point, and, and then when, when you're actually on the bandwagon, hyping them up yourself, like Pipel did prior to the season, you don't set yourself up for success. Just like Steph Curry going into this uh, game last night, you know, you got all these analysts talking about him, you know, making 16 threes in the game, and it was funny watching him uh, in his, his interview prior to the game, and you know, Steph is a really you know laid back, cool humble guy but he actually said it's a possibility right so he heaped all of this pressure on himself to go out there and lay a stinker last night sure he dropped six which for anybody else is like a career night um but he had a rough game so you never want to you know oversell as far as expectations especially when you're the coach of a team
0: absolutely all right guys let's let's dive into some Rutgers insider questions uh as always thanks for subscribing uh if you're an insider we've we've gotten some uh new people in here this last couple of weeks it's great so we ask obviously over our, our tech service for questions for the podcast and uh we've got a bunch of them uh well, here's one for you Todd Rick. it begins Tony from Lawrence begins th is amazing so it's a big fan wow uh wow, great he, he wants to know, any commits that might be particularly wobbly? Is there, is there a hmm. kid who you're like, oh, this, uh, this, might, this might not be uh, signed in, in blood on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever it is?
1: Uh, let, me, let me just pull up this 2022 list so I can make sure. Just run down everybody here.
0: It's funny because I think by this point, once they're, once they're wobbly, they're almost certainly gone. And like, I
1: mean, I know there were obviously concerns earlier in the recruitment of Marion Brown, who's out there in Florida. And it's always tough yeah. when you recruit these Florida guys simply because they get so much traffic out there uh, from all of these different coaches and coaching staff members. But as of right now, I haven't heard anything you know, recently regarding that. And he's uh, still involved in the class, shooting down this list here. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, all of these guys would be characterized, as far as I know, as solid right now. Uh, one skill, uh, skill position guy I didn't touch on too much uh, was a Rashad Ro- Rochelle, and I, I think for a guy like him to come in here with, with with a ton of quarterback records like if you see what this kid's done with his arm and he can also throw the football um uh, we talked a little bit in the past about him potentially having a little two-way game with uh winsap and maybe getting to throw some passes in this offense or some double passes and things of that nature mm-hmm. uh, so that would also be an, an, an interesting piece uh offensively when you talk about young guys potentially uh competing early uh, next year as far as those wrinkles and things of that nature. And that's what I like the, the prior year, not so much this year, but the prior year and watching Sean Gleason and sort of the way they competed and did anything that it took to win games, right? You never knew what was coming, uh, the trick plays. So I think Rashad Rochelle could fit into that element in that way of helping Rutgers win next year. But you're hoping that Rutgers doesn't have to go to as much of that, you know, in, in Greg Schiano's third year with the program. Right, right.
0: We follow up on that topic. I'm curious what you thought about the offense this year. We've talked about it ad nauseum, a lot of heat on Gleason. I mean, when you were watching it, you know, as a, as a football guy, what, what what did you
1: think? Oh, I'll tell you, man. I mean, how many times can you, can you, can you throw the ball to the boundary? You know, it's just, uh, you know, there there wasn't much of a semblance of a vertical passing game. You know, threw the ball a lot east or west, probably as much as we, uh, they threw it vertically. Uh, you, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle when you can't get vertical in the Big Ten because that's the way you got to move. And the only way to do it is to get big, strong guys who can compete in the trenches, create space, and win some of those battles up front. Um, It was strange watching uh, Rutgers against Michigan. I thought they really took it to Michigan in the second half of that game along the offensive line, looked like they found something, really had those guys on their heels. And they were bending guys back, competing with fire. Um, And it seemed like that sort of dissipated, you know, obviously as the season, you know, moved along and then you end up facing a team like Ohio State that kind of knocked them back down to earth. Um, But that's where it starts you know, up front, and then getting guys who so you can get the ball to to create some plays. All right, Kratz. here's a question for you. Uh, curious of the
0: NIL breakdown among all sports at Rutgers, high to low and average free sport compared to other Big Ten programs. Uh, obviously, there was some big news this week. Maybe you can mm-hmm. feed in, weed in uh, weave in. Gavin Wimsat has his NIL deal that we all expected. I mean, what, what do you see out there, generally speaking?
2: Yeah, so obviously there's um... – there's no set – like, I don't have a hard number to report. Um, I think it's something that it's – NIL is, is, like, people are kind of making up as they go. I think one of the things that's kind of uh, developing is is NIL payments, like, a, a private thing or an educational thing. I think there's a couple of lawsuits going on where news outlets are suing the state university, basically saying – because the way NIL works with the NCAA regulations – all right, so – I am a baseball player at Rutgers, and I get paid five grand by Seven Eleven to have a cardboard cut out of me and my own special sandwich. You know, let's, let's just go with this. Uh, on the River Road, quick check. <laughs> I have to
0: tell what, Rutgers. What's on your sandwich,
2: Crash? It's <laughs> <laughs> <some> bacon, it's <laughs> a prosciutto. It's load up all oh, the nice. meats.
1: Nice. Okay, okay, let's go. Fresh,
2: <laughs> all right, so anyway. I got an NIL deal. It's paid me five grand. I'm at Rutgers. I have to report to, I have to get it approved and I have to tell Rutgers, hey, I'm getting five grand for this. At other schools, it's happening and people say, okay, like we should be able to file an open records request to find out how much all of these kids are making. The schools, of course, are saying that you can't it's, you don't have to turn it over or some schools are hiring a third party. So the report goes to the third party that goes to them because obviously you can't Oprah, the private third party vendor. So it's becoming a big thing. You, in some cases you have people who are running to tell you how much money they're making because it's a recruiting thing. Other places, they're not. If I, from what I understand, I'm talking to people, I would say, I think most nil deals at rutgers for athletes the vast majority are topping out at modest four figures i think that and probably even less for that you know the guy go puff that like online food service like those guys were getting like 10 bucks you know that was just you know everyone signed up for that no one was making rich off of that I do think Gavin – like, look, Gavin's going to change a lot of things at Rutgers if he becomes the player everyone believes he's going to become. I think Gavin Wimsatt, these NILs, from what I understand, he is the first Rutgers athlete to get serious NIL money.
0: What are we talking? Give me a a ballpark figure. Any ideas?
2: I think it's probably – Like, if he stays here for three, four years, he's probably going to – I would think we're getting into the six-figure range.
0: Oh, all right. Good stuff. Yeah. I'll have a cratch for lunch and some of that. Isaac, what do you think?
1: (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you, man. The one area that I'm curious to see is just just how these guys react to this pressure of basically being, you know, professional athletes playing in college. You know, and especially at the quarterback position, a thinking man's position, you know, uh, you're playing against these exotic defenses that start out as one thing and end up as something else. Um, To have a whole nother, you know, subset of things to think about from a business standpoint will certainly prepare these young men for the future. But I'm just really uh, curious to see how he handles this moving forward, because this is also new. Yeah,
0: I mean, look what happened to the kid from Ohio State. gets a seven-figure NIL deal, and he, just, he just, he's in, they transfers to Texas. I mean, it's just, exactly. it is amazing, the, the stuff going on. Uh, yeah. and, and, it's
1: just a, and, and honestly, the NIL, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, right? Like, the NCAA likes to roll out things and then kind of think about it later, just kind of like you know how they gave out this free year and then asked the colleges to just sort of figure it out, right? And ultimately, it really killed the high school kids because all of these guys are coming back with guaranteed roster spots on top of competing with the transfer portal, right? And if you're some coach that has to win now, win this year, what are you going to put your money on? You know, a 22, 23-year-old kid with Power 5 experience who you can plug and play or, a, you know, 17-year-old kid that you got to develop who you may not even be here to reap the benefits of? Yeah. You know, so the NCAA just kind of does whatever they do and then expects everybody else to kind of go, you know, figure out how to work these things out. And it's the same thing with the NIL, um, where we're seeing it being utilized in different ways. I know it was important to uh, bring it back again to Rashad Rochelle and talking to his father. Um, That was a big recruiting chip. His father wanted to ensure that his son would be able to take advantage of any type of NIL opportunities, any and all. And uh, Greg Shiano was on board, um, his father said. And that was certainly a sticking point and one of the big reasons why he chose Rutgers. So uh, it's definitely meaningful. It'll be interesting to see the way it's utilized. You know, coaches can't be involved in finding deals. Uh, I actually asked Shiano uh, straight up when I was uh, interviewing him for my black recruiting story, you know, are you guys at all involved in finding these opportunities and maybe using them, you know, in recruiting to get players to come to the school and, Um, he clarified that they're absolutely not allowed to do that or to take any part of that, obviously. So um, it's all still new. And I think different schools uh, will find I think the schools will find different ways to sort of utilize it over time. All right. Here's a, a recruiting question from Gus in
0: Flemington. He says he's an RU alum by marriage since NJIT didn't have a football team, okay? (laughs) Neither did Seton Hall, but Crash wrote about that uh, today if you want to read a funny story. All right. Uh, How many high school players does Rutgers typically recruit over the available number of spots in the class? For example, there are 20 open roster spots for the incoming class. Does Rutgers recruit double that number and hoping half will stick, triple the number? Uh, Todd do you have a sense for that I mean how, how do you handle that uh, when when you know you've got a certain number but you obviously want to get uh, the best kids at the right positions
1: yeah I mean th- that's one of the things I think that Greg has, has really done well um, you know since he's returned to Rutgers is just man- managed the roster um, I know when they first came in for that 2020 class they front loaded a lot of guys and there's a lot of different ways to do it you can gray shirt guys and you know, a lot of guys come in uh, come in mid-year, uh, and there's different ways where you could have their scholarship count towards the previous year or the following year. And I think they've done a real good job flipping a roster in a short period of time by sort of mastering, you know, some of those, uh, uh, I guess you'd say, say loopholes. Um, so typically, I mean, you see a class like the 2020 class, I think that ends up being over like 30 guys or so. Uh, But the majority of those guys were like mid-year guys and transfers, transfer portal guys. Um, One thing I do think, though, moving forward that, you know, the NCAA should do is is probably um, create a minimum number of high school players that these colleges sort of have to take, simply because these guys are being phased out. You know, you see it now most of these guys are dropping at least a level. You see a lot of FBS kids going on to play FCS ball. You see FCS kids not getting scholarships at all, right? Because remember, uh, a lot of those seniors got the free – high school seniors got a free high school year, and you gave all the college kids the ability to come back if they want. And then, again, they're, they're, they're competing with the transfer portal that has a couple th- you know, thousand guys in there. You know, So when you're a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kid, you know, you're not looking quite as succulent and, and, and attractive, you know, as a guy who's done it, you know, and who's done it elsewhere who, and who you could just plug and play. So, again, the NCAA has got a, a lot to figure out, uh, but unfortunately it seems that they've uh, passed the buck on a lot of these things. Uh, all right. Question from Donald Forbes, worker's legend. Oh.
0: <laughs> coming in. How about that? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, I about to say. It's a name that I'm sure you you know. Thanks for, thanks oh, for joining us, Donald. He wants to know there are a number of job openings in college football, Temple being the one that might have the most impact on Rutgers. Do you know if any Rutgers staff members have applied, particularly Fran Brown, and their odds of landing the position? Cratch, we've talked about this a little bit. Have you seen any updates on the Temple coaching situation, and are there other jobs that might uh, become an issue for the Scarlet Knights?
2: no updates it's been very 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 quiet on the temple head coaching front which i think is probably attributed to a couple things one new ad new president you know so i think that there's not a lot of also it's temple (laughs) yes i was gonna say that that it's temple but i i really think there's a very good chance that the next temple head coach and we'll get to fran brown in, in a second i'm sure todrick has some thoughts as well I think there's a very good chance the next Temple head coach is in the NFL right now. I know there are a couple of us, you know, former Matt rule assistants who are with Carolina. Obviously looks like that might be going South on that rule. Although I kind of don't, I kind of hard to believe that two years in people are ready to jump ship with Matt rule. But I have also heard too, that Al golden, you know, when Al golden was connected to Yukon, that was kind of a shift for me. Because what I had heard, Obviously, going back to 2019 and the Rutgers coaching search, Rutgers never – Al's name never came up. I don't think Rutgers ever thought about him. Talking to people who know Al Golden, they said he would come back to college if it was a big-time job in the Northeast. Basically, Al was of the mindset of, I like the NFL. If I can go to Syracuse or Virginia or Rutgers or Pitt or B.C., I'd go there, but other than that, I'm staying in the NFL. Then he got tied to UConn. There seemed to be smoke there, so they hired Jim Mora. It seemed like maybe he was broadening his horizons. I have heard he would have interest in returning to Temple. Don't know if Temple has interest in bringing him back. So the fact that it's been so quiet and there's been no news to me leads me to believe there's a very good chance that their future – either they've – you know. St- They've identified exactly who they want, and they're just waiting for that guy's bowl game to be over, if It's assistant, or they're going to bring someone back from the NFL. As for Fran Brown, I, I, just, I don't think he's in the mix right now there. I think people can debate whether that's the right move or not. Obviously, he's had a lot of uh, Temple alumni are in the NFL you know, calling for his hiring, expressing support on social media. I don't think Rutgers fans have to
1: worry about him leaving, no. What do you think, yeah, Tommy? I mean, t- t- Temple would have to – you know really come and get him you know he's you know fought for that job in the past and you know um there's a lot of history there obviously with the board of trustees and and, and all and all of that uh temple would really have to come and get him and show them uh that they want him and um uh, you know sell him pretty hard on it i don't see him going and, and fighting for that opportunity um i do know that uh he's super excited for the challenge here at ruckers and to continue to improve this program and specifically work with Greg Schiano, uh, I think those two guys have developed a, a really good relationship where they work off one another. And he is, uh, and I think Greg is doing a lot of, um, Fran is doing a lot of work here that I think will help him in his pursuit of a head coaching role in the future. And I think he's comfortable uh, in that space right now. The
2: other thing I'd add too is obviously there's only 130 FBS head coaching jobs. So, you know, if you get offered one, you, you kind of got to take one, especially if you've never been a head right. coach before. Temple right. is not the job. It was, you know, two, three years ago. You know, this right. is not no, the job. It, it's yeah. one, they're going to be financially strapped because they're going to be paying Rod Carey several million dollars to, to not be the coach. They're going to have to pay off his assistants too. Two, they're in the AAC, the AAC has fallen apart. All, you know, Cincinnati, like, it's, it's literally Temple and a bunch of teams in Texas, basically, you know? Like, okay, so- how is Temple going to go into Texas? Or how is Temple, hey, congrats, like, come to Temple, South Jersey kid. You get to go to North Texas every year. Like, that's not going to, I just don't think it's as attractive of a job as it used to be, which I think also plays into the situation.
1: And on top of that, I, I think the culture there has changed. I know when Fran was there, uh, he was a big part of the lifeblood of that program when it came to recruiting, you know, coaching, um, and the, co- the culture in the locker room. You know, it always seemed like Temple would always get these, you no know, good – you know, tough guys, good athletes, but usually they were missing something, right? When it came to, you know, checking all of those boxes, right? But they all had that chip on their shoulders simply because of whatever that one thing that they were missing that didn't allow them to get that Rutgers offer, uh, but allowed them to get that Temple offer, right? That dog, that tough mentality. Um, And when Kerry came in, he completely changed the culture there. I know players weren't able to, you know, play music, you know, uh, in certain situations or certain kinds of music, it was just a completely different culture. And that, that's, that stinginess, that grittiness, that kind of, uh, you know, infused the program throughout those years where they had, you know, off and on success, I think is lost. So it's almost like starting all over again, which makes it a little bit, uh, you know, less of an attractive job in conjunction with obviously the conference that they're planning.
0: All right, fascinating stuff, gentlemen, on, on all this. Thanks for all the questions, everyone, from the, and from the insiders. Uh, if we didn't get to yours this week, try again next week. We promise we'll, we'll give it a go. Uh, all right, right, let's. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, we, Tough loss for women's soccer. I, I watched the game. Uh, it was uh, – they really could have, maybe even – I don't know should have, but certainly could have beaten uh, Florida State Cratch. Uh, season ends in this college cup. Not a surprise, I guess. But, man, it was right there. I did, I don't know if you watched it, but – I man, did. Bunch yes. of opportunity. Bunch right of opportunity. Right there, especially
2: the <laughs> last ten minutes. You know, ferocious finish, obviously. Florida State, I believe, won the national title, so they, they lost to the national champion. Uh, great season for them, obviously, but – tough to lose it that way uh they had their chances you know that one kind of that header kind of hit off the crossbar it kind of just hung up there in the air for a second yeah you, know, you kinda you thought maybe that was going to be the moment they were going to finally nail knock that one home
1: hey uh, i say it by by, by far one of ruckers greatest teams and you do, you know you just hope looking forward that they can recalibrate and i'm excited to see what they bring forth next year Absolutely.
0: All right. Wrestling, piling up wins against uh soft schedule. Can I use that word or is that not the right word, French?
2: Uh Yeah, I would say soft schedule. I mean, look, I think it all kind of, you know, this is a situation where having a not, you know, loaded schedule, makes sense there's a lot of guys in that program that just, really didn't wrestle last year i mean you, the pandemic season was completely and totally strange for wrestling more than anything they had four dual meets no open meets they had a prolonged covid shutdown and then it was the 10 guys go to the big 10 so you've got a lot of guys in that program you know young guys who wrestle, you know one bout you know, in 2020, 21. So I think it made sense for them to load up on, on dual meets to get guys in the lineup, uh, Business is about to pick up, though. They're hosting Army at, at Jersey Mike's Arena Friday night. Um, they should beat Army, but I think it's going to be a good scrap. I think if Army can pull an upset, you know, w- in a couple of spots, we could be looking at a 5-5 bout split when it goes to bonus points. So uh, th- they should beat Army, but, you know, the, the cadets are going to come down. They've got some ranked guys. They're going to be a real test. And then the Midlands at the end of the month, and then it's it's Big Ten dual meet season with Ryder and Princeton also looming. So they're about to really get into it. The Schedule's about to get a lot tougher, and that starts against Army.
0: I hope. I would hope Army is good
1: in wrestling, right, Todrick? I mean, that would be a – you'd, you'd expect. You'd expect. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, there's, there's, there's really no sport like, like wrestling. I mean, Did you wrestle in high school? Did you wrestle? I, I didn't wrestle, but my son did wrestle. So he wrestled <laughs> for, I want to say – one year and he wrestled for a couple years, uh, in middle, middle school. And I'll tell you, man, it's just, <laughs> it's just the most intense thing being on one side of the mat, staring into the eyes of another father and your kids are on the mat, getting into it. Your kid pins his kid and you see the defeat in his eyes. And you jump up on that mat. And you're just super excited. There's no better. Maybe, maybe getting a sack or a strip fumble comes close, but it's that type of feeling. When your kid pins another kid, it's just an, it's just awesome, and the energy uh, that this Rutgers uh, wrestling program brings just just year after year, you know. Unfortunately, we've had the, the 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 pandemic, which has slowed some things down and think, you know, maybe made some things change course. But uh, you know, these guys compete, and they got a national wrestling program up there at Rutgers. Yeah, absolutely. What's the closest you've ever come to wrestling a, another parent at a,
0: at a sporting event?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I was always parent slash coach, you know. So I was one That's of those true. Uh, one of those real fiery guys. I think uh, uh, maybe we played uh, Silk City. Uh, my son's eighth grade year when he was with uh, the Madawan Huskies, we had a, a bunch of top kids in the state on that team, and took cities out, out of Patterson and they have a really talented team as well and I'll tell you dude, with, with two really good tough talented teams to meet on the field there's just really no give so that almost boiled mm-hmm. over into a full, full-blown riot, uh, which I was kind of kind of the center of just sort of pumping <laughs> up our guys, getting them ready to compete. so we actually had to leave early uh, before the game ended uh, because it was becoming such a volatile situation. Wow. that's definitely one of, my, uh, <laughs> one of our closest calls. Oh, but I'll tell you, uh, uh, Rooks was on that team, uh, a kid that Rutgers ended up uh, uh, recruiting, uh, and now he's at the University of Michigan. And a couple guys there, a couple guys on that squad. Uh, Taiwan Malone was on our team, another guy mm-hmm. that Rutgers uh, recruited. He's at Ole Miss now. Uh, a bunch of names. Oh, oh Jaden Gould was on that team. Jaden uh, Gould and, and Jaden Bellamy, two, two DBs that are also Rutgers legacies who Rutgers recruited. So um, that, that was certainly a, a, a fun day. Absolutely. All right. Well, look,
0: Todd, thanks for coming on. We certainly will not wait this long to have you back on. because It was great. We really enjoyed your insights. Uh, good luck next week. I know it's, I know it's your, it's your, uh, it's your busy week of the year. So, uh, so enjoy it. And, and we look forward to reading your stuff.
1: Looking forward to it guys. It's been my pleasure and uh, let's go get them.
0: All right, crash I'll sign off for, for you as well. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back after a sunny day with some more basketball to we'll talk about uh, soon. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights
2: directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.